Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today on the Word Podcast. We are continuing in the Gospel of Mark in the 11th chapter. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, in the previous episode, we saw where Jesus had come into Jerusalem in what we affectionately refer to as his triumphant entry, right? And he got there and he walked, went to the temple and he walked around and he looked around, saw what was going on, and he left because the sun was going down. It's coming to the end of the day. And he goes to Bethany. So we pick it up. Mark chapter 11, verse 12 says this. On the next day, when they left Bethany, he became hungry. So we learned some truths here about Jesus, right? He became hungry. He was just like us. He, you know, he would become hungry. He'd become tired. He'd need sleep. He would need something to eat. And you say, well, I thought everybody knew that. What's the big deal? Well, the big deal is that soon after Jesus was resurrected, that there were all sorts of debates that arose as to whether he was actually a uh, real human being or not. Maybe he was just an apparition. Maybe he was just a ghost. Maybe he was some type of strange combination of of divine being and human being, which in one sense of the term is true because he was totally human being, but he was totally God also. But here we just see that he became hungry. Why didn't he eat breakfast before he left? Who knows? You know, I don't know. It's sort of interesting questions that arise here. But anyway, he's going the way back, and he, he, you know, hunger strikes him. Verse thirteen says this: seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf, so he sees this fig tree off at a distance. And it's all leafy and everything. He went to see if perhaps he could find anything on it. So he's hungry. So he's going to this fig tree. And the fig tree is all leafy, okay? Is that important? Well, likely if it tells us, right? So he goes, and when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And so he's got a tree here that's in full leafhood, okay? But it's not the season where it would have fruit upon it. And so would Jesus not have known that? Would people not have known? Well, of course they would have. They know when the season is for oranges or peaches or apples or whatever it may be. But he goes to it, and he's looking to see if there's something there to eat. So as, uh, and we likely know, you know, what happened with this account. We'll read it in just a moment. But, you know, was Jesus expecting something to eat from there? I think he was, okay? And uh, for whatever reason, um, there could have been fruit left over from the previous season. Okay, that, that happens quite often with fruit trees and things like that. So it's in full uh, leafiness, okay, starting to blossom or whatever it may be. But he gets there, and he finds out there's nothing on it because it wasn't the season for figs. Now, this is where people get distracted with this because of Jesus' response. He said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. Well, that's all that Mark tells us here about this initial account. He's going to pick it up later. And, uh, but Jesus says, no one ever eat fruit from you again. Why in the world is Jesus mad at a fig tree? <laughs> it's what it sounds like, right? Well, let's go over to Matthew. Matthew gives us a little insight into this, okay? It's worth chasing today. Matthew uh, chapter 21, verse 18. Now in the morning when he was returning to the city, so he's going from Bethany back to Jerusalem, 
he became hungry. And seeing a lone fig tree by the road, so it's just one fig tree all by itself by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it except leaves only. And he said to it, No longer shall there ever be any fruit from you. And at once the fig tree withered. Okay? At once the fig tree withered. And I think we'll find uh, later on in the Mark account that the disciples come back and they find it withered the next day. That type of thing. Well, I think it's the kind of thing that uh, you see when God told uh, Adam and Eve that if you uh, eat of the fruit of this knowledge of the tree, the tree of uh, knowledge of good and evil, that in the day that you eat of that, you will die. And they did. The day they ate of it, they died. Now, it took their body, let's say, 900 years to expire, okay? But they literally died. In their case, uh, sin and death entered into the world, okay? In this case right here, it could be that the tree was withered up and the next day they saw it. It could also mean that, you know, that they just pressed on, it withered behind them, and they didn't see it later when they returned and they saw it the next day. Regardless, the tree was withered. So what's going on here? What's being communicated by Matthew and Mark? Why did the Spirit move upon them? I have to tell this account right here. Well, there's any number of things. And I think the safe thing to say from the get-go is that nobody has the absolute, thus saith the Lord, this is what this means, uh, declaration. But there are some things that we can uh, glean from it, some things that we can know. The fig tree is often used as a picture of Israel, okay, of the Jewish people. And there is a picture here of the people of the Lord, the Jewish people, the lone fig tree, who looks all leafy, and they look great, and they look wonderful, but there's no fruit on it. Even though it wasn't the season for fruit, there had been no fruit on it from the previous season, apparently, or there was no fruit left over from the previous season. Let me put it that way, okay? And so I think there's a picture right here because Jesus was, uh, remember he'd come by and he saw what was going on in the temple. Now when he's going back into town, he's about to address what's going on in that temple. And he's actually giving a picture right here that in the same way that Israel was not providing uh, for the people of the Lord and for the world. They weren't doing what the Lord wanted them to do, being his people. Yeah, they look great. They look wonderful. They look all leafy and everything, but there was no fruit. Okay, So I think that's probably a, a really good place to sort of uh, uh, land. I'm thinking, what does this mean? You know, I had somebody ask a, a question uh, this week in one of the Bible studies. This is a great, great question because we're, we're working through Job. And boy, you talk about a handful. And they, they asked this very simple question. They said, does there always have to be a reason for something? Does there always have to be a reason? And I knew exactly what they were saying, and everybody knew what they were saying. And there doesn't have to be a reason. Now, with God, there will always be purpose. Okay? Our problem is we want to know the reason. And then we want to understand the reason. So if we're given a reason for something and we don't understand it, then we have a hard time with it, right? And so we see a lot of things in the Scripture where uh, we may not know the reason for why something happened. And we may know what the reason is, but we may not understand it. In this case right here, Jesus was hungry. In this case, there was an example right here where this tree wasn't providing uh, uh, fruit that he wanted, something that he desired. And he said, may nobody ever eat from you again. He turns around and walks off and the thing withers up. Now, 
<laughs> last thought here. There's another thing here, the power of the word. The power of the word. There have been various tests done through the years, particularly by this one Japanese scientist. And honestly, I don't, I haven't been able to verify that he's legit. Okay, I mean, he's like a real scientist. I know that. But, you know, I don't know if this is true. I saw what he did years ago with water. And he just took water and he just said thank you to the water and thank you to the water. And it looked a certain kind of way when, when it was frozen, the crystals. Then he looked uh, at another thing of water and just yelled and screamed at another container of water. And when they froze it, the crystals were all pervert, uh, perverted. He's done the same thing with rice here. Mm-hmm. And he just put uh, rice in uh, three separate jars. And he spoke uh, blessings over one. He just said, thank you, thank you, I love you, to this thing of rice. And it started fermenting and, and just making this great aroma. To another one, he just yelled and screamed at it. And it started, um, I guess, turning black and all this kind of stuff. To another one, he ignored it. And the one that he ignored, it just started rotting and wasting away. There is power in the spoken word. And when the Lord said, may no one ever eat from you again, he turned around. I think he was showing the disciples and us that there is power in the spoken word. Be careful what you speak. Realize the power you have to speak forth blessing. Okay, The power we have to speak forth healing. Well, again, I'm Dale. My time's up. I'll see you all next time, okay? Bye-bye.